Hello, everyone, and welcome to Explicit Gospel. This is your host, Veronica. If it's your first time joining us, just uh, to start off, um, Explicit Gospel is a Christian radio show, and it's it's a college Christian radio show, actually. So we've been on break for all of mo- some of December and January. And now it's the start of a new semester, so which means it's the start of a new season for Explicit Gospel. And I am so excited. This show has been such a blessing, not just to me, um, but to so many other people. And I am just so thankful about what God is doing um, through this show and, and what he's going to keep continue doing because the Lord is faithful. Amen. So today, we actually have a lot of exciting surprises coming up for explicit gospel um especially this this semester and but today we're just going to be talking about genesis 45 genesis chapter 45 um one through seven verses one through seven and this this what, this passage of scripture was actually something that I feel that God has really put on my heart, has really put on my heart for the past few weeks, especially because the holidays are over, right? So the holidays are over if you are a millennial or a college student, maybe. Maybe you went to to home to your family over break maybe you couldn't go home to your family maybe um who knows but you know uh I really hope that you had a wonderful winter break I and if you didn't have a good winter break I think that this this passage is going to be for you today um and I'm just thankful because the Lord has been faithful and the Lord is good and he is mighty and he is in control of every little thing, regardless of what the media says, what the reports say. The Lord is always, 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 always faithful. And yeah, so let's get right right to it. Uh, I'm going to pray before I start. And if you want, you feel free to bow your head with me. Father God, thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you, Father God. I don't know who is on the other side of um, maybe the computer, the tablet, the iPod, iPhone that is listening to this. I don't know who is on the other side, Father God, but I just pray that you may bless us, that you may um, give us strength to persevere in these times, Father God, in these times where it's so easily to be distracted, yet there's not a lot of room for distraction when there's so much at stake, Father God. And I just, I thank you, Lord, that we can come and just have a time together and discuss scripture and and be immersed in your in your word, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Father God, that you strengthen us, that you um, help us persevere in our faith, Father God, that you strengthen our faith, Father God, that, um, that you would renew us through your Holy Spirit, Father God. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so bef- let me just premise this by saying that um, 
that Genesis 45 is Genesis 45 is the is part of the story of Joseph. If you don't know about Joseph, he is I'm pretty sure if you go to church, you, you've probably heard about Joseph. He's the guy in the Old Testament that gets sold by his brothers because he was his father's favorite and ends up in Egypt and then eventually ends up and has a lot of uh, ends up having a lot of power. And through him, um, his people were able to persevere and he was able to keep his people from starving and dying. So. We're going to be reading Genesis 45, 1 through 7. So let's start. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the, that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. Then they all when they all had done when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was this it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there, had, there has been famine in the land, and for, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Okay, so... If you are not, fam again, if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, basically, he was sold as a slave into Egypt um, by his brothers because they were just jealous of him. And they told, actually, they, after that, they faked his death and they told his, uh, his father that he had passed away. And so at this point, his Brothers, I don't know what his brothers really thought about him uh, or where he was, but his dad definitely thought he was dead. And so, you know, years go by, years go by, and there are a lot of things that happened to Joseph. Eventually, he was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. However, we're all fast skipping all over this story and going to the point where Joseph uh, Joseph could interpret dreams. And so because he could interpret dreams, he was, the Pharaoh gave him power over Egypt. And so he was second in command after Pharaoh in Egypt. And that was just insane, right? I mean, you go from going to prison, being falsely accused, being in prison, interpreting someone's dream, and then you're second in the line um, you're second in power in Egypt. That's just insane, right? Okay, so then Joseph has it has a lot of power, and his siblings come to where he lives, and he finds finds out he recognizes them, and he's like, "Oh my goodness, those are my siblings. I need to talk to them." 
And so he goes through a lot of things. He he tests them. There uh, different events went on. But here we are at the very moment when he, after knowing that he's knowing that they are his siblings and after testing them and after all these different things, he this is when he actually tells them that he is his brother. And I know that this story isn't often depicted as an emotional story, at least not Genesis 45. I haven't heard really a pastor or a preacher or anything really say, really talk about Joseph's emotions in, in this passage in particular, in the, in the very moment where he goes and he tells his siblings who he is. And so that's one thing that I want to point out. Um, in chapter 2, he says, And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. it this passage honestly just makes me... It, it, makes, it makes me me feel emotional because I can't even fathom, I can't even think about you know, first of all, being sold by your siblings, being sold, being abandoned by your own family. Now that hurts. He was abandoned by his own family. And then he's pretty much left in a limbo, pretty much, um, really not knowing what to make of himself, what to think of himself, what to think of his family. You know, I can't even imagine the amount of resentment maybe um, that he could have felt, the amount of maybe unforgiveness that he could have felt. And then because of that, uh, he ended up in, and and because of that, he ended up in Egypt, and eventually all these different things started to happen, and so that's when he gets falsely accused of. Uh, that's when he gets falsely accused. That's when he is sent into prison, and I think that, I think this verse. In chapter, in verse verse two, when he weeps so loudly that the Egyptians hear him, I think that's the culmination of every little thing that Joseph had gone through. Can you imagine what that feels like? Can you imagine what it's like to feel abandoned, to feel abandoned, and then come to face that person that abandoned you, or and and. And really, maybe you would want to tell them, because of you, I went through this and this and this and this. But Joseph didn't say that. Joseph just wept, and he wept loudly. And by saying that he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him to me, it just makes me... it just makes me think about how much pain that he must have been feeling. It makes me think that I, I identify with the amount... I've definitely never gone through something like Joseph has, but there have been times in my life when I'm just, you know, my emotions are boiling and so much resentment and so much anger that literally there's nothing I can do or say but weep. And I'm pretty sure many of us have felt like that before. But here is where the glory of God comes in. 
there is a verse in the Bible that says that all good things work for those who love him. And I think this story is really an amazing example of that. I think, you know, Joseph was definitely sold in sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was, um, and then his brothers come back to him, and he can't deny them because his God told him that he is going to use him to preserve his people. So here he is, you know, maybe... I'm imagining, I'm proposing this, not imposing this. I'm imagining that he possibly felt, you know, that he possibly felt so much anger and so much resentment that he was probably like, you know what? I am just going, I do not want anything with these people. You know, I would have thought if I, if it were me in that position, forget it. I would have been totally disobedient with God and that is probably why God never put me in that situation. Um, but if you think about it, how the glory of God really is showing in this passage, it's really because after he does, you know, Joseph goes through all these things, and then boom, from one day to the other, he's second in, par- in, in power um, and next to the Pharaoh, and... He is the one who is going to help serve God's purpose of advancing his people. Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane how for the longest time, Joseph was looked at, even among his brothers, as the weakest, as the one who, as a helpless one, as, oh, poor thing, he was sold into slavery and God knows what else has happened to him. Um, even in Egypt, he was, you know, he was a loser in Egypt, if you think about it. He was falsely accused. He was sent into prison. He went to prison for something that he did not do. That just sucks. And I think that is so important to understand that some, that God is, is going to use those, those tragic moments in our lives, those sins that have been committed against us, for our good, even those sins that we have committed, he is going to use that to redeem us. And I think that's where we find how magnificent the glory of God is. And so let's move on to the third verse. Um, okay, so the third verse says, Joseph said his brothers, said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And I think this verse is awesome. You know, I'm part of a choir at my church, and our choir director, this past rehearsal that we had last week, he actually said, you know, we are drawn to everything that's big, the strongest, uh, the richest, the the large, everything that's big. But we need to watch out for the little people. And I think that in that time, I think at that time, um, when he explained this, he was using David and Goliath and how David was so small in comparison to Goliath. But when you have God on your side, he and you let him do whatever 
he wants with you. He is going to use you for his glory. And he is going to, you are going to be in his presence. And like the Bible says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And I think there is nothing that replaces that. There is nothing that replaces the glory of God or the presence of God or the fullness of joy that there is in God, of joy that doesn't drain, that is not, that doesn't drain overnight, but a joy that is constant, that is there, that regardless of what goes on, that you will always have that joy. And so we see in verse three that his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified of his presence, at his presence. So here you see these the same group of people that sold him into slavery, that thought he was weaker, that, you know, that really treated him as pretty much like an animal, pretty much, now are terrified of him and are probably even terrified um, because, are, and again, I'm not imposing this, I'm proposing it. Um, because here's this person, he's super powerful, one, he's, um, he could possibly kill me, and three, if I haven't given him enough reasons to kill me already, I sold him into slavery, so there's that, and so, I just want to stop for two seconds, and just share with anyone who is listening to please let God use you. Let God belittle you. Let God humiliate you. And you will see what's going to happen. I'm not saying you're going to be the next president of the United States. But I am saying that the glory of God is going to be magnified in you. I am saying that God will do wonderful things in your life. That God will help you serve a greater purpose. So let's humble ourselves in the same way that he humbled Joseph. Let's continue on to verse 4. So it says, okay, so this is what kills me about this passage. And I think this was the passage where God, where I felt like God really put it on my heart that I really needed to share. It says, number four, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. What? Oh, heck to the no. What? So you're telling me that, let's say you're Joseph. So you're telling me that these people, that you're second into power in Egypt, second to power, that the people who sold you into slavery and who were awful to you, who basically cut communication between you and your father by telling them that he was, that... Uh, by telling him that you were dead or in front of you, you could do absolutely anything you want with them. And okay, 
you decide not to kill them. I think that's a little reasonable, reasonable, right? I mean, if it were me, forget it. But that's reasonable. Nevertheless, after you tell them, after you tell them who you are, instead of saying, you know what, you guys are kind of mean for selling me into slavery. Totes not cool, guys. Instead of doing that, he goes and he says, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. What? So you're telling me that you're concerned more about their feelings than you are (laughs) about complaining about what they did to you. Are we serious right now? Come on, bro. Come on. And this verse is so important because I think for many of us who grew up in super dysfunctional families, I think we can talk about how hard it prob- how hard it is to you know, be mistreated again and again by a family member, by a parent, by a sibling, and then not go to them and tell them, you did this and this and this and this to me. Instead, how hard, imagine, imagine someone who has horribly mistreated you. And let's say you are in the sim- very similar position that Joseph is. You are in a more powerful position than Joseph is. And they, let's say you're Uh, This person is looking for your help and doesn't know who you are, but this person is still looking for your help. You're going to tell me that you, that if you were Joseph, you are more likely to care about their feelings instead of you imposing your feelings on them. Now that, guys, is the Jesus way. I think this passage is so humbling. And in all seriousness, this passage is so humbling because it really makes me think, you know, what if instead of complaining about every little thing that parents or siblings or family members have done to me, what if I just sat down and thought, you know what? They have feelings too. And they shouldn't be sorry for, Uh, I don't want them to be distressed about what they did for me or it's okay if they're not distressed about what they did to me or what um, or what feelings they hurt or what lies they wiggled into my brain. I think that is so important. And I want to challenge you. And this is a challenge for me too because I fail at this all the time. I want to challenge you at seriously saying, you know what, God, I'm please hold me in the palm of your hand. And next time someone is mean to me or I see this person that I have so much resentment against, please help me treat them in a graceful way. Please help me understand try to understand them more than try for them to un- for me to exp- 
explain so they can understand me. I don't even know if that made sense, but in other words, sometimes we need that kind of grace with people. Sometimes we need, you know, sometimes people will wrong you, but I think sometimes it's, it's more important and more Jesus-like to say, you know what, you wronged me, and I know that, but I just want you to know that I care more about you right now and about why you did that or about why you didn't do that. Um, I think that's so important, and I think that is really what living for the benefit of others is. Um, I think a lot of it is what Jesus did when, when he was on the cross, you know, after he, after, when he was on the cross and he, after he had gone through so much torture and he was already um, minutes possibly away from his death. And he looked up and said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I think that's so important. When was the last time that someone wronged you and you went to the father and told them, please forgive them for they don't know what they're doing? When was the last time? So let's show grace, guys. Let's please, let's just so show grace. Because this is so important. It's so important, especially in this day and age, that we show grace. Because grace translates into kindness. It does. And there's, there's verses in the Bible that it says that God's kindness is what's going to draw men to him. I'm sorry for the long silence, but I definitely just want us to meditate on that because I think that's so important. I think it is important to know that where sin increases, grace increases all the more. And I know that that and that verse, actually, the one I just mentioned is a verse that talks about our own sinfulness um, in terms of God. So when our sin increases, God's grace increases all the more. However, what if we put that into practice in our own lives? What if we really just showed grace? What if we talked to that person like we, they had never wronged us? What if we cared about that person that wronged us as if they had never betrayed us in the past? What if we expressed ourselves of that one person that we know will never ask for our forgiveness regardless of what they did. Come on, guys. This isn't easy. And I'm not here to preach the easy. You can go to prosperity preachers for that. I am here to preach truth. And while I fail every single day, because God knows I fail every single day, to impose truth in our in in my life or even in the lives of others 
that doesn't change what truth is. So let's not just be preachers of truth, but also walk in truth. Walk in the fullness of joy, in the fullness of um, forgiveness towards one another, in the fullness of the grace of the Father, not just towards us, but to other people as well. I mean, can you think about how much God forgave you from and then you're not willing to forgive that one person for every little thing, for for that one thing that they did to you? You're not willing to forgive that one person for that one thing that they did to you. And here is God the Father forgiving all of your sins, 100% of your sins. What? No. We should be forgiving of one another in the same way that the Father is 100% forgiving towards us. And here's the aftermath of everything. After he says... After he says, please don't be angry for selling me here, he says, Joseph says, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for himself known to his brothers. And he wept, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry. And for the... And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. I think that's so important. I think it's important because it demonstrates that God can use anyone, that God can use the weakest of them all for a larger purpose. I think one huge reason why I started this show is because I felt such a burden for us young people. I know it's hard to live for Jesus these days. I know it's hard. And it's hard I think it's harder for us actually and biblically it can argue it could arguably also be true. It's it's even harder for us as it was for the generation before us. And I think a lot of us don't really realize that it's so important to take care of even those little tiny things in which we are, in which we struggle and are sinful towards God. And and it's important to take care of those things right now. Because we don't, I think a lot of us don't really realize that we are the next generations of pastors. We are the next generation of of missionaries, of pastors' wives, of preachers, of evangelists. Can you imagine everything that God could do through you? Can you imagine yourself being the next pastor, the next worldwide known preacher? Can you imagine yourself doing that? And if you don't, that's fine. 
And who knows, maybe that's not your calling. I'm not saying that has to be everyone's calling. There are also very successful businessmen who are Christians and are doing wonderful things for God. What I'm saying is that we don't realize what's at stake here. We don't realize that the world needs Jesus. That we need to preach the gospel to every single corner. That we need to show love to the oppressed and to the poor and to the broken. It's 2017, guys. There's not a lot of time to play around. Not a lot of time. No one knows when the end of the world is going to happen. But one thing is for certain. It gets closer and closer every day. I mean, logically, we can safely assume that. No one knows when it's going to be, but... We can say that things get worse and worse as time progresses. I mean, do we? can we just look at the state of this country now and look at how it is and look at the desperation that there are on people's faces? Now let's go after their hearts. Let's go after their hearts and let's preach the gospel. And let's tell them that they can lay all their burdens down at the cross. That is really all I have for you guys today. Um, in Explicit Gospel, we are raising up a new generation. And that is my heart, to raise up, to help contribute to the raising up of the next generation of Christian leaders that there will be. There are some amazing people in our generation. And there are a lot of people in our generation that need a lot of work. But through the grace of God, we can do it. And we're going to make it through because God is going to be with us. Jesus is going to be with us till the very end of age. I thank you so much for listening in. I pray that you have a fantastic week. If you're uh, we're here every Monday now at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And make sure to follow us on all of our social media. We're on Twitter and on Instagram. On If you want to follow the podcasts that you missed or any other previous podcasts that you want to listen to again, we are on SoundCloud, iTunes Podcasts, and YouTube. So make sure to look us up. And don't forget, Explicit Gospel, we are raising up a new generation, and that's what we're here for. So I will talk to you guys next week, Monday, 3 p.m. Thank you all so much. Bye.